Chapter Eleven of A Prefix Uncle. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. A Prefix Uncle by P. G. Wodehouse. Chapter Eleven: Poetry and Stump Cricket. The old Beckfordians match came off in due season, and Pringle enjoyed it thoroughly though he only contributed a dozen in the first innings he made up for this afterwards in the second when the school had a hundred and twenty to get in just two hours he went in first with marriott and they pulled the thing off and gave the school a ten wickets victory with eight minutes to spare pringle was in rare form he made fifty-three mainly off the bowling of a certain j r smith whose fag he had been in the old days when at school smith had always been singularly aggressive towards pringle and the latter found that much pleasure was to be derived from hitting fours off his bowling subsequently he ate more strawberries and cream than were strictly speaking good for him and did the honours at the study tea party with the grace of a born host and as he had hoped miss mabel lorimer did ask what that silver plate was stuck up on to that bat for it is not to be wondered at that in the midst of these festivities such trivialities as lorimer's poem found no place in his thoughts it was not until the following day that he was reminded of it that sunday was a visiting sunday visiting sundays occurred three times a term when everybody who had friends or relatives in the neighbourhood was allowed to spend the day with them pringle on such occasions used to ride over to biddlehampton the scene of farney's adventures on somebody else's bicycle his destination being the residence of a certain colonel ashby no relation but a great friend of his father's the gallant colonel had besides his other merits which were numerous the pleasant characteristic of leaving his guests to themselves to be left to oneself under such circumstances is apt to be a drawback but in this case there was never any lack of amusements the only objection that pringle ever found was that there was too much to do in the time there was shooting riding fishing and also stump cricket given proper conditions no game in existence yields to stump cricket in the matter of excitement a stable barn makes the best pitch for the walls stop all hits and you score solely by boundaries one for every hit two if it goes past the coach-room door four to the end of the wall and out if you send it over it is perfect there were two junior ashby's twins aged sixteen they went to school at charchester returning to the ancestral home for the weekend sometimes when pringle came they would bring a school friend in which case pringle and he would play the twins but as a rule the programme consisted of a series of five test matches charchester versus beckford and as pringle was almost exactly twice as good as each of the twins taken individually when they combined it made the sides very even and the test matches were fought out with the most deadly keenness after lunch the colonel was in the habit of taking pringle for a stroll in the grounds to watch him smoke a cigar or two on this sunday the conversation during the walk after beginning as was right and proper with cricket turned to work let me see said the colonel as pringle finished the description of how point had almost gotten to the square cut which had given him his century against charchester 
you're of the upper fifth now aren't you i used to think you were going to be a fixture there you're like your father in that way i remember him at rugby spending years on end in the same form couldn't get out of it but you did get your remove if i remember rather said pringle years ago that's to say last term and i'm jolly glad i did too his errant memory had returned to the poetry prize once more oh said the colonel why is that pringle explained the peculiar disadvantages that attended membership of the upper fifth during the summer term i don't think a man ought to be allowed to spend his money in these special prizes he concluded at any rate they ought to be six form affairs it's hard enough having to do the ordinary work and keep up your cricket at the same time they are compulsory then yes swindle i call it the chap who shares my study at beckford is in the upper fifth and his hair is turning white under the strain the worst of it is that i've promised to help him and i never seem to have any time to give to the thing i could turn out a great poem if i had an hour or two to spare now and then what's the subject death of dito this year they are always jolly keen on deaths last year it was cato and the year before julius caesar they seem to have very morbid minds i think they might try something cheerful for a change dito said the colonel dreamily death of dito where have i heard either a story or a, or a poem or a riddle or something in some way connected with the death of dito it was years ago but i distinctly remember having heard somebody mention the occurrence oh well it will come back presently i dare say it did come back presently the story was this a friend of colonel ashby's the one-time colonel of his regiment to be exact was an earnest student of everything in the literature of the country that dealt with sport this gentleman happened to read in a publisher's list one day that a limited edition of the dark horse by mr james arthur was on sale it might be purchased from the publisher by all who are willing to spend half a guinea to that end well old matthews said the colonel sent off for this book thought it must be a sporting novel don't you know i shall never forget his disappointment when he opened the parcel it turned out to be a collection of poems the dark horse and other studies in the tragic was its full title matthews never had a soul for poetry good or bad the dark horse itself was about a knight in the middle ages you know great nonsense it was too matthews used to read me passages from time to time when he gave up the regiment he left me the book as a farewell gift he said i was the only man who knew who really sympathized with him in the affair i've got it still it's in the library somewhere if you care to look at it what recalled it to mind was your mention of dito the second poem was about the death of dito as far as i can remember i'm no judge of poetry but it didn't strike me as being very good at the same time you might pick up a hint or two from it it ought to be in one of the two lower shelves on the right of the door as you go in unless it has been taken away that is not likely though we are not very enthusiastic poetry readers here pringle thanked him for his information and went back to the stable yard where he lost the fourth test match by sixteen runs owing to preoccupation you can't play a yorker on the leg stump with a thin walking stick if your mind is occupied elsewhere and the leg stump yonkers of james the elder boy by a minute of the two ashbys were achieving a growing reputation in charchester cricket circles 
one ought never thought pringle to despise the gifts which fortune bestows on us and this mention of an actual completed poem on the very subject which was in his mind was clearly a gift of fortune how much better it would be to read thoughtfully through the poem and quarry out a set of verses from it suitable to lorimer's needs than to waste his brain tissues in trying to evolve something original from his own inner consciousness pringle objected strongly to any unnecessary waste of his brain tissues besides the best poets borrowed virgil did it tennyson did it even homer we have it on the authority of mr kipling when he smote his blooming lyre went and stole what he thought he might require why should pringle of the schoolhouse refuse to follow in such illustrious footsteps it was at this point that the guileful james delivered his insidious yorker and the dull thud of the tennis ball on the board which served as the wicket told a listening world that charchester had won the fourth test match and that the scores were now to all but beckford's star was to ascend again pringle's mind was made up he would read the printed poem that very night and before retiring to rest he would have lorimer's verses complete and ready to be sent in for judgment to the examiner but for the present he would dismiss the matter from his mind and devote himself to polishing off the charchester champions in the fifth and final test match and in this he was successful for just as the bell rang summoning the players in to a well-earned tea a sweet forward drive from his walking-stick crashed against the end wall and beckford had won the rubber as the young batsman undefeated to the last reached the pavilion said pringle getting into his coat a prolonged and deafening salvo of cheers greeted him his twenty-three not out compiled as it was against the finest bowling charchester could produce and on a wicket that was always treacherous there's a brick loose at the top end was an effort unique in its heroism oh come on said the defeated team if you have fluked a win said james it's nothing much wait till next visiting sunday and the teams went in to tea in the program which pringle had mapped out for himself he was to go to bed with his book at the highly respectable hour of ten work till eleven and then go to sleep but programs are notoriously subject to alterations pringles was altered owing to a remark made immediately after dinner by john ashby who desirous of retrieving the fallen fortunes of charchester offered to play pringle a hundred up at billiards giving him thirty now pringle's ability in the realm of sport did not extend to billiards but the human being who cannot hear unmoved a fellow human being offer him thirty start in a game of a hundred as yet to be born he accepted the challenge and permission to play having been granted by the powers that were on the understanding that the cloth was not to be cut and as few cues broken as possible the game began james acting as marker there are doubtless ways by which a game of a hundred up can be got through in less than two hours but with pringle and his opponent desire outran performance when the highest break on either side is six and the average break two matters progress with more stateliness than speed at last when the hands of the clock both pointed to the figure eleven pringle whose score had been at ninety-eight since half-past ten 
found himself within two inches of his opponent's ball which was tottering on the very edge of the pocket he administered the coup de gras with the air of a john roberts and retired triumphant while the charchester representatives pointed out that as their score was at seventy-four they had really won a moral victory by four points to which spacious and unsportsmanlike piece of sophistry pringle turned a deaf ear it was now too late for any serious literary efforts no bard can do without his sleep even homer used to nod at times so pringle contented himself with reading through the poem which consisted of some thirty lines and copying the same down on a sheet of note-paper for a future reference after which he went to bed in order to arrive at beckford in time for morning school he had to start from the house at eight o'clock punctually this left little time for poetical lights the consequence was that when lorimer on the following afternoon demanded the poem as per contract all that pringle had to show was the copy which he had made of the poem in the book there was a moment's suspense while conscience and sheer wickedness fought the matter out inside him and then conscience which had started on the encounter without enthusiasm being obviously flabby and out of condition threw up the sponge here you are said pringle it's only a rough copy but here it is lorimer perused it hastily but i say he observed in surprised and awestruck tones this is rather good it seemed to strike him as quite a novel idea yes not bad is it but i'll get the prize oh we shall have to prevent that somehow he did not mention how and lorimer did not ask well anyhow said lorimer thanks awfully i hope you've not fagged about it too much oh no said pringle airily rather not it's been no trouble at all he thus it will be noticed concluded a painful and immoral scene by speaking perfect truth a most gratifying reflection End of chapter 11 Poetry and Stump Cricket